We turn now immediately to God's Word. I'm going to read first 60, Psalm 65, just because it's Thanksgiving. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the people, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. Your water, you water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. And then back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we will read verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. So tomorrow's Thanksgiving Day, and this is a Thanksgiving sermon. As I mentioned last week in the evening, I've been saving up the references to Thanksgiving in verses 15 through 17 for this Thanksgiving sermon. Thanksgiving is mentioned in each of these verses. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
and verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, Thanksgiving Day is focused on Thanksgiving for the harvest and by extension on God providing for our needs. And these references to Thanksgiving in Colossians are not primarily about Thanksgiving for the harvest. The idea of Thanksgiving in Paul's writings is very broad and would certainly include Thanksgiving for the harvest and by extension the the plenty and the prosperity that we enjoy. Uh, The reality is that the Thanksgiving for the harvest is only a small part of Thanksgiving in the Bible, and biblical teaching about Thanksgiving will not allow us to be too narrow, too focused in what we are thankful for. Of course, I'm not saying that there's never reason to thank God for a good harvest, but like so much else in the Bible, uh, any thanksgiving to God can only be understood rightly as part of our relationship with God. Even expressions of thanksgiving in the Old Testament for the harvest, such as what we just read from Psalm 65, were always part of a broader thanksgiving that God had chosen Israel to be his people and rescued them from slavery in Egypt and brought them to the promised land. All thanksgiving in the Bible for the incredibly rich blessings of this earthly life all is always or are always a subset of the larger category of thanksgiving that God is our God and that we are his people. Nothing in the Christian life is understood outside of that blessing of all blessings that God has chosen us to be his people in New Testament terms that he has chosen us in Christ to save us from our sins and to adopt us as his beloved children. Indeed, if we think of thanksgiving outside of that overarching category of our saving relationship with God, then it's really no different than the thanksgiving of the world. The world can be thankful in some sense. Can be thankful without a very clear idea of who it is thankful to. I recently bought one of those uh, Kindle deals uh, called Positive Psychology for Overcoming Depression. I don't recommend it for um, if you're struggling with depression. If that's the case, Ed Welch's book titled Depression is Thoroughly Christian and the Best Single Resource That There Is Out There. But I wanted to skim this secular book and just see if there was anything interesting and useful in it and to observe how the world deals with that subject. But my reason for bringing it up is that that book has a whole chapter in it on gratitude, current advice, secular advice for dealing with depression puts quite an emphasis on gratitude. The definition of gratitude in that book is, quote, a feeling of thankfulness, wonder, and appreciation for life. It is simply a feeling, and there's no object of thanksgiving. There's no doubt that nurturing that kind of gratitude has helped Many secular people deal with their depression, 
But this kind, this definition of depression, of, of, of gratitude rather, is completely incompatible with biblical gratitude because biblical gratitude is always focused on God and it is never understood apart from a saving relationship with God. If there is one thing to be said about biblical gratitude, it is that it is profoundly God-centered, but also profoundly salvation-centered, so that any gratitude for the material and social blessings of this life are expressions of gratitude for specific instances of God's saving generosity to us in our salvation in Jesus Christ. Any gratitude that is not gratitude to God is really a form of idolatry. And any gratitude from us as Christians must always be gratitude for God's goodness to us in Christ, because apart from that, we are under his wrath. Well, let's review how Paul expresses gratitude in this letter and how he exhorts the Colossians to express their uh, gratitude. In, verses, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, no, 3 and 4, Paul tells the Colossians that he's always thanking God for them because of their faith and because of their love for all the saints. Notice he does not thank the Colossians for their faith and for their love. He thanks God for the love and the faith of the Colossians. And that shows us again how radically God-focused biblical thanksgiving is. The Colossians had believed. The Colossians were loving one another, but God thanked, Paul thanks God for their faith and for their love and not the Colossians. And now the obvious implication of that is that any time we are blessed through other people, the ultimate object of our thanksgiving is to be God, because he is blessing us through them. And we see that point made quite strikingly in Paul's instructions to the uh, Corinthians regarding the, co- the, the collection that uh, he was organizing for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And in 2 Corinthians 9.11, Paul encourages the Corinthians to give generously for the struggling saints in Jerusalem and he does that by mentioning that by doing so they will produce thanksgiving to God. So in verse 12, for the ministry of his of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. This demonstrates that even when we are blessed by other people, while it is appropriate for us to thank them, it is even more appropriate and important to thank God for the way that he has blessed us through them. The next time that Paul mentions thanksgiving in this letter is chapter 1, verse 12. In that verse, he tells them to give thanks to the Father who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So he's talking about salvation here. He's telling them to thank God for their salvation. There's nothing that comes close to that as a reason for thanksgiving. 
The reason that our daily bread and our comfortable homes are such a blessing is that they come to us as blessings from the God who saved us and who is our loving Father for Jesus' sake. The thanksgiving that God is looking for us, looking for from us, is a response to his saving love in Christ. And so the best thing about the blessings of this life is the love of God in them. And so even if we are giving thanks for a fruitful harvest, the thanksgiving does not stop with the harvest, but sees beyond that to the love of God in Christ in the harvest. And that is the case for all of God's wonderful provision for us. The next reference to thanksgiving in Colossians is chapter 2. Six. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The short version of the text is, walk in Christ, abounding in thanksgiving. So Paul is talking about following Christ, independence upon Christ, growing in faith and growing in obedience. And all of that is to be characterized by abounding in thanksgiving. So as we live the Christian life, seeking to grow as Christians, we are to be characterized by abounding in thanksgiving, by overflowing with thanksgiving. And the whole context here is salvation in Christ. That's what Paul is talking about in this letter. The description of Jesus and what he has done for us and what he is doing for us are all reasons for us to abound in thanksgiving. Earlier, Paul had written chapter 121, and you who, were once, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his, in, in his body of his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's why we're to be abounding in thanksgiving as we live our lives, as we seek to serve Christ in them. We are reconciled to God. God is at work in us to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. No wonder No matter what we are thankful for, this is at the core of it. And so we come to the references to thanksgiving in our text. First one in verse verse 15 comes right after Paul's exhortation to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, putting on love and letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. All of these things describe the kind of people that God is renewing us to be. And having given us this exhortation, he continues, and be thankful. So be thankful that God is at work in you, renewing you in his image so that you are growing in these areas. Be thankful for this aspect of salvation, all that it involves changing us so that We're able to grow in kindness and love and allowing the peace of Christ to dwell in our hearts. The close proximity here of the call to thankfulness to the exhortation to put on these Christian virtues suggests that thanksgiving is to motivate us 
to nurture these virtues, and it is to characterize us as we nurture those virtues. We can also say that nurturing these virtues and exercising them is one of the ways that we express our thanksgiving to God. One of the great truths about thanksgiving, uh, the thanksgiving of the people of God in the Bible, is that it it is much more than a feeling. Remember that definition of gratitude from that secular book that I just mentioned, a feeling, and gratitude, they say, is a feeling of thankfulness, wonder, and appreciation for life. Certainly, gratitude to God is a feeling, but it is also expressed by doing. And we see that connection most clearly in Romans 12, 1, which says, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, that text does not use the the term thanksgiving, but the idea is certainly present, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God is a response to the mercies of God And the sacrifice that Paul is alluding to is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The Heidelberg Catechism famously makes this point. It's built into its structure of guilt, grace, and gratitude, following Paul's logic in in his letter to the Romans. And then in answering the question of why we should do good works, the Heidelberg Catechism teaches, quote, Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, is also renewing us by his spirit into his image, so that with the whole of our lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits. So we can see how the life of kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and the rest is an important way in which we express our thanksgiving to God for his salvation and for all the benefits that come to us through that salvation. Thanksgiving is certainly about feeling gratitude and expressing our gratitude, but it is also about obedience. It's also about seeking to be the kind of people that Christ is renewing us to be. It's also about being thankful for the renewing work that God is doing in us through his word and spirit. We move on to verse 16 of chapter 3, that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We saw last time that uh, Paul's point in this verse is that we Christians are to teach and admonish one another by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We considered how we minister the word of Christ to one another by participating in singing together. And in the last part of the verse, Paul says that we are to do that with thankfulness in our hearts to God. What we see here is that part of the whole experience of singing together to minister to one another includes uh, thanksgiving. Of course, when we are, what we are doing when we are letting the word of Christ dwell 
in us richly by singing is nurturing one another in love and delight, and thanksgiving is an important part of that picture. There's an emotional aspect to thanksgiving. These verses teach about, uh, speak about being, uh, speak about thankfulness in your hearts to God. So singing contributes to that. Singing helps us to be thankful, to feel thankful, and being in a congregation that is singing with thankfulness in their hearts to God helps each member sing with thankfulness in their hearts to God, and that's why singing is such an important part of any Thanksgiving service. Of course, every service of worship is a service of thanksgiving in some sense, but we are blessed to have services of thanksgiving for specific occasions, and singing is always an important part of that. But the point here, too, is that thanksgiving is an expression of worship. The text makes the point that, that, that singing has a teaching, an admonishing function, but by explicitly mentioning thanksgiving in connection with singing, it reminds us that thanksgiving is an expression of worship. Praise and thanksgiving are very closely related to it, one another. So thanksgiving is a form of praise And thanksgiving is always nearby when we praise the Lord. Now, you can imagine praising God simply for who he is. But when we look at praise in the Bible, there's almost always the thought of who God is as our God and what he has done for us. God reveals himself in the Bible, not, sormly, not simply as a God who kind of exists out there, but as a God who has created and saved us for relationship with himself. And so wherever there is praise, thanksgiving is not far away. And that gives us to the, back to the God-centered nature of thanksgiving. We are thankful for things. We are thankful for the kind of things that we think about on Thanksgiving Day. But the nature of biblical thanksgiving is that God's grace and generosity in giving us the things is more important than the things themselves. If we are interested only in the things and not in the love and the God and love and favor of God behind his gifts. That is not thankfulness, it is idolatry, it is worshiping the gifts rather than the giver. So thanksgiving is worship, it's delighting in God, it's praising God, it's exulting in the goodness and the power and the providence of God. Thanksgiving acknowledges that God is the one who gives us life and breath and all things. Thanksgiving acknowledges that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. That's James 1.17. Thanksgiving worships God as the God who, of providence, which the Heidelberg Catechism defines as the mighty and ever-present power of God, by which God upholds, as with his hands, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, 
come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. So thanksgiving and worship go together. Another aspect of this is that thanksgiving expresses dependence on God. When we are thankful to God for his salvation and for all the gifts that come with that salvation, we are acknowledging God as the giver and ourselves as the receivers. All the things that we are thankful for are completely beyond our ability to provide for ourselves. Our life comes from God. Our salvation is completely a gift of God's grace that we do not merit or deserve. Every good thing in our life comes from God. Even those good things in our lives that come through our efforts come from God because he gives us the strength and the skill and the success. He is the one behind any success. We are absolutely dependent upon God, and thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of that. So this attitude belongs to thanksgiving and worship. Part of the way in which we glorify God is to acknowledge that he is God, that we are beings that he has made, that he upholds our life from moment to moment. Thanksgiving acknowledges that we have nothing that we have not received. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.31, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Finally, we consider verse 17 of Colossians 3, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So first we are to do everything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ. To do everything in the name of Jesus Christ is to do everything as his representatives and by his power. So everything that we do in word or deed, we are to do as Christ's representatives. In our work, in our conversations, in our service to the church, in our service to the people of God, whatever we do in our lives, we're not to think of ourselves as isolated people, but as followers of Jesus Christ representing him. Everything we do, we are to do in his name. And Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where he says, and whatever, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all, in, do all to the glory of God. All of that is to be an expression of thanksgiving. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we do everything in our lives as representatives of Jesus Christ in service to him, thanksgiving is to be going on by it and through it and with it. Just as we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, so we are to do everything with thanksgiving. And this thanksgiving is expressed to God the Father through Jesus. That's the language of mediation. We have access to the Father through Jesus. Jesus intercedes for us. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name because we are always mindful of the fact that we are sinners and we can only approach the Father on the basis of the righteousness that Jesus has 
provided for us and not on our own. Our whole relationship with God is through Jesus, and so our thanksgiving is also through Jesus. Now, this great emphasis on thanksgiving in this letter and in these verses is rather striking. Verse 15, and be thankful. Verse 16, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This, this great emphasis here and this repetition is not nagging. It's a reminder, to be sure, but like in everything else that we are told to do as Christian, it belongs to the blessedness of salvation. The life that we are called to live is a life that Jesus died to enable us to live. It belongs to the gift of salvation. The life itself is a great blessing. And so Paul here is reminding us to do something that is wonderful, that is a great blessing all on its own. Thanksgiving is not onerous. It is delightful. It is a way of delighting in God's goodness and love. It is a way of enjoying fellowship with God. It is a way of glorifying God and enjoying Him. Psalms have a lot to say about thanksgiving, and they certainly do not give the impression that thanksgiving is an onerous duty. Psalm 91.1 says, as 92.1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. In Psalm 95, we read, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. We're being told to do something that is enjoyable, delightful, pleasant, and encouraging. Thanksgiving is honoring to God, but it is also life-giving and life-enhancing for us. It is wonderful to think of God's love to us in Christ. It is wonderful to think of what it means to be forgiven all our sins and enfolded in the gracious love of, our, of God the Father. It is wonderful to think of the richness of our lives and all the blessings that we enjoy and savor them as expressions of the favor that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. And it is wonderful to do thanksgiving in our lives as we seek to show our thanksgiving by seeking to please God in all that we do. So let us heed this call to give thanks. There's so much to be thankful for. It's true that we are currently going through a difficult time in this pandemic and its ramifications for our lives. It's true that in various ways, a number of us are facing hard things in their lives. Some are dealing with great trials. Some are dealing with chronic pain and inner struggles and relationship issues and sometimes just being overwhelmed with life. Thanksgiving does not mean that there are no hardships and struggles to be faced. But Thanksgiving is about things that are good and wonderful even when we struggle and suffer because ultimately it is about the love of God in Christ. It is about salvation in Christ and the hope of eternal life, and everything else in life is viewed from 
that perspective. It's about being grateful to God for all of that, as well as for the blessings that we enjoy, even while we are dealing with hard things in our lives. May God enable us to think about these things today and tomorrow and every day. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the way in which thanksgiving is such a reflection on your glory, the glory of your generosity, of your grace and mercy, of your power, of your providence, of your beauty. As we think about uh, the beauty of the creation and of the crops, and there's so much in our lives that is, is rich and beautiful and wholesome, and it all comes to us through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, and it all reflects your glory, your goodness to us, and we do worship you, and we're grateful for uh, this kind of relationship that you have designed, a relationship that uh, is one of complete dependence, but also one in which we receive so much joy and fullness because of that relationship. And we pray that you would help us to look at the things that we do enjoy, the more concrete things of our lives, as gifts from your hand and enjoy them so much more profoundly because of that. Lord, we pray that you would bless us now as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We thank you for that additional expression of your love and your favor, and we pray that we may receive it in faith and be strengthened by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving involves remembering, and involves bringing to mind and reflecting on God's goodness to us in Christ. And that, of course, is an important theme of the Lord's Supper. In the Lord's Supper, we remember that Jesus gave himself for our sins. We remember that he was willing to take our place and bear the wrath of God that we deserve to bear. We remember that he gives himself to us as the bread of life. We remember that he gave the Lord's Supper to us to strengthen and to nourish our weak faith. We remember how the Lord's Supper is the new covenant in Jesus' blood so that it seals our relationship with God. Seals to us, rather, that our relationship with God is covenantal, a formal relationship of oath-bound commitment. And the way we have considered the thanksgiving, the theme of thanksgiving in Colossians remind us how thanksgiving is our response to God for all his blessings in Christ. Certainly one of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is to nurture our gratitude by nurturing our, con- our, our confidence in our participation in the salvation that is represented by the Lord's Supper. One author writing about The Lord's Supper is written, the church makes a glad self-sacrifice of thanksgiving 
in response to Christ's sacrifice. It is supremely in the context of the Lord's Supper that the members of the church within the one body can present themselves in body and soul as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So let us give thanks, remembering all that God has given us in Christ and delighting in our expression of our gratitude by word, by song, and by our actions.